You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. I also want to say uh, thank you again to the kids. What an awesome job our children did in acting out the Christmas story, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's give them another round of applause. Reminding us what what this season is all about, that that it's the time of the year that we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and everything that means for us. Though... You know, let's be honest here. I think this is also the time of the year when, when there's some parents who use a certain character in, in a big red coat and white beard to manipulate their children into behaving themselves and to going to bed on time. Am I right? Yeah. I've seen it happen, right? Right when their kids are about to misbehave, they're like, Santa Claus is coming to town, right? You better watch out. And you know what else? He sees you when you're sleeping. And he knows when you're awake. And he knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. And he's making a list, and he's checking it twice. And he's going to find out who's naughty or nice. So you've been warned, Santa Claus is coming to town. Right? When I say it like that, it sounds kind of mean, doesn't it? Like, it sounds kind of creepy as well. Um, the song's basically saying that Santa is stalking kids just to make sure they're behaving. Um, and that's before I've mentioned this new elf on a shelf trend. Uh, like, like it wasn't enough to have Santa's pending judgment looming over our kids' heads to get them to behave. So now he's brought an elf into everyone's house to, to spy on them as this extra precaution. And, and, and to be fair, you know, most people do this elf on the shelf thing, make it pretty silly and fun. But still, for me, no thanks. No, I, I don't want a creepy elf staring at me. Okay. Um, that's a scary movie start. Here's, here's the thing, though. The, the original St. Nicholas, right, he, gave, he gave gifts to those in need out of the kindness of his heart as, as Christian charity, as, as we all should do. We should be giving sacrificially. Um, but nowadays, it seems like the story of Santa Claus coming to town has, has, has become more like something for kids to be afraid of and, and, and it creates anxiety in their little hearts rather than something to be excited about. You know, who knows how many kids out there uh, will be lying awake this evening and, and worried about if they were good enough to be put on the nice list, or, or, or if that elf on the shelf spotted them that one time when they just couldn't help themselves and they took that Christmas cookie without asking, or that other time when they punched their sibling uh, who was annoying them. Like my, my youngest son said so honestly the other day, he said, Is, isn't it impossible for kids to be good all the time? We all do bad things sometimes. And, and if you know my youngest son, he's like the most well-behaved child of all time. And so for him to say that... That, that means something, right? And, and so when we think about it, it's quite odd that we've kind of twisted this tradition of secret and, and generous gift giving that was based on St. Nicholas and into being about some jolly dude who's watching over our every move in order to manipulate us into being good or else, right? But in a way, I think that's how we often view God sometimes, don't we? Like he's up there in heaven in all his glory and holiness and he's spying on all of us. Right? He's checking to see who deserves to be on the nice list and, and just waiting for us to, to make a mistake so that he can add us to the naughty list and then punish us. This view of God, that, that, that he has this sour disposition toward us and that he requires us to earn his favor by being good, 
It only causes us to either despise him for being mean or to try, try to hide our sins from him for fear that he's going to punish us. Or it makes us think we have to try really, really hard to be a good person so that he'll be pleased with us. But if our morality is only being manipulated by our fear and, and insecurity, always under the threat of punishment versus reward, we'll either be filled with a false sense of pride for, for our good works, or we'll never, ever feel like we've done enough. And the reality is we can't. But fortunately, that's not who God is. That's not who God is. In fact, the real story of Christmas gives us a completely opposite perspective of that on, on the true nature and heart of God. John 3.16 to 18 says, a lot of you have heard John 3.16 before. We're, we're going to read it in context here. John 3.16 and 18 says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to con condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So now whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So what, the, what this passage is, say, is saying, first and foremost, is that Jesus was given to us and that, that he came into the world on that first Christmas morning, not, not for those on the good list, but rather he came for the ones who aren't on it. As Jesus himself stated in Mark 2.17, he, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He came to call the sinners to know him. And, and that includes all of us, right? The, the Bible teaches us that we all fall short of the glory of God. We're all guilty in our sin. We all stand condemned, which, which means, because none of us are perfect, right? Which means that, that on our own merit, none of us would make it onto the, the nice list, no matter how hard we tried, if, if such a list existed. But this is why the story of Christmas is such good news. It proclaims to us that God's heart is for sinners, not against them. It proclaims to us that God doesn't want us to stay condemned. It proclaims to us that God sees us in our plight and he says, I'm going to get you out of this. So the Son of God being born on that first Christmas shows us that God loves and values us so much that he's willing to humbly come into his own creation, into our mess, be born in, into obscurity in the likeness of man, also that he can take the weight of our condemnation upon himself at the cross as our perfect sacrifice. And this is why Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, proclaims in Luke 1, 68-69, he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So Jesus, what he's saying is Jesus coming to town wasn't something for sinners to fear or hide from. It was something for them to rejoice in because he came for them, to be God with them. Not to put coal in their stockings, right? But to save them and adopt them into his family, into the family of God. And throughout his ministry, if you read through the Gospels, throughout his ministry, Jesus then proves this truth over and over again as he draws near to sinners, as he comforts them, as he has compassion for them, as he befriends them and heals them and feeds them and forgives them, and teaches them, and calls them to follow after him. 
and to know him. Ultimately, Jesus came into this world because he knows our hearts. He knows the state of our hearts, and he desires to make them new. And here's the thing about that. We, we can't hide our hearts from him. We can't hide anything about ourselves from him, no matter how hard we try. He knows every sin and mistake we've ever committed in secret. He knows our selfishness and our pride and, and our intentions. He knows our doubts and our shame, our deepest flaws and our sorrows. When we've lost patience or let, the anger get the, let our anger get the better of us or when we lied or cheated, right? He knows all of that. Not because he's a stalker like Santa, but because he's all-knowing. As a creator, he's all-knowing. He, he knows the depths of our hearts and our thoughts better than we do. And again, if he was like Santa, if he, wa- if he was like Santa, knowing, knowing what he knows, he'd respond to our rebellious hearts by staying far away from us or by, again, giving us that lump of coal that we deserve. But he didn't do that. He did the opposite. He came near to us to give us the most extravagant gift of all, one which we definitely didn't deserve. As uh, Pastor Dane Ortland writes, he says, if the actions of Jesus are reflective of who he most deeply is, we cannot avoid the conclusion that it is the very fallenness which he came to undo that is most irresistibly attractive to him. This is deeper than saying Jesus is loving or merciful or gracious. The cumulative testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. So what Christmas shows us and proclaims to us is that God loves us deeply and unconditionally. It shows us that God's heart is full of compassion and mercy for us. It shows us that we don't need to hide from God out of fear that he'll punish us as soon as he sees our sin. Or on the flip side of that, it tells us that we don't need to earn his favor by doing good works. Christmas shows us that his love isn't based on anything we do at all, but is based on who he is. And that because he is love, He pursues us, and he finds us where we're at. He's the God who comes near to us so that by his grace, we can come near to him. And while Jesus' birth proclaims this glorious truth, it's ultimately his death on the cross for us as our perfect sacrifice, which proves it and accomplishes it. Romans 5.8 says, But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is why Jesus came into the world on that first Christmas day, out of love for us, to deal with evil and the weight of our sin himself once and for all. And when he did so, he revealed the heart of a God who cares deeply about humanity, a heart that invites us to know him, a heart that desires to see us restored no matter what it cost him. And so as we consider the birth of Jesus Emmanuel, which means God with us. As we consider that this Christmas, let it point us to to consider the very heart of God. A heart that values and cares deeply for you. A heart full of compassion and mercy. A heart that desires to give you freedom from sin, rest for your souls, and everlasting life in his kingdom. It's who he is. 
Jesus himself invites us into this very thing when he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, he invites us all. This, this is an invitation for all of us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So come close to Jesus this evening. Receive his grace and his love for you. Lay down your brokenness and your doubts and your shame and all your sins before him and you'll find a humble savior, a living God who is gentle and compassionate with you, who will shower you with unending forgiveness and invite you into new an everlasting life. For that's why he came into the world. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Lord, on this Christmas Eve, we pause to prepare our hearts for a most beautiful celebration. Your birth and coming to earth as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Clear our minds so we can focus on you and the joy you bring to us through your gift of salvation. May the same thrill and anticipation that filled Mary, the chosen mother of Jesus, consume us and draw us close to you. May our spirits cry out, Alleluia, with the host of angels who first delivered the good news of great joy to humble, awestruck shepherds that night so long ago. Lord, give us eyes of faith to see on this side of the cross what the prophets chose to believe through promises long ago. Emmanuel, God with us, Prince of Peace, the Son of God, Messiah. May all that you are saturate our senses and fill our hearts with both gratitude and worship as we bow this evening before you and offer our prayer to you. By your grace, Lord, we ask that you empty us of sin. We surrender all that we may receive your all this Christmas Eve night. Prepare our hearts for you even as you are preparing a place for us to join you one day. And we thank you that you meet us where we are. Lord, we honor you and we praise you as the Messiah, the King of Kings, as we once again receive and celebrate your great gift to us on that first Christmas. We pray all this in your precious name. Amen.